Welcome to Top 5, your favorite podcast. Each week on this podcast, a special guest comes on and chooses a subject to talk to me about, and they pick their top five in that subject. Top five mailmen, top five sneaker brands, top five Jedis, top five worst high school experiences, whatever they want to talk about. Today we are unsurprised the Godfather himself has returned, Steve Roselli. Steve, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for that awesome intro. Hey, no the problem. Godfather himself. Steve is the uh, host of Pop 5. I'm sure you know because if you subscribe to this, you subscribe to that. There's no choice. There's no choice. You have to listen. Your favorite podcast, Pop 5. Second favorite. Top 5. I don't know. I don't know. As long as it's not This American Life, that's all that matters. All right. Steve... As Godfather, I feel like I've been waiting for you to choose this subject for a while, and it's finally happened. Steve, what is your top five subject? Top five gangsters. This is a subject near and dear to your heart. Yes. How did you, and something I don't know anything about, how did you get involved in this? Um, my father did some work for the government. Sure. And I, I don't want to get too much. Yeah, I'm like, this is a widespread <laughs> podcast, Steve. And um, I've always been a fan of, like, you know, The Godfather and sure. Goodfellas and, you know, Sopranos, Boardwalk Empire, and anything to do with, like, mafia crime or any kind of crime. It, it's a great anti-hero stories that, that we've been told forever. This like gangster history mm-hmm. is rich. rich. There is so much that you can discover. Like this guy could be connected to this guy, but this guy murdered this other guy. While digging this hole of discovery, like while doing this archaeological dig of stuff, I found so much. I found Jimmy Hoffa's body in there. I dug up so much shit. I was like, I didn't. Everyone knows each other, and they all shot at each other. Yeah. It's insane. I mean, all the way from Al Capone to nowadays, like, everyone is connected. Exactly. It's madness. You know, like, once you join, like, say, like, a mafia family, because not every gangster is part of the mafia. Right. But once you join, like, the mafia, you have to do the omerta where you pledge your allegiance to this family, Mm -hmm. to this mafia family. To this house. You burn a saint card in your hand, rub it together, and say, like, you will not betray the family or you will be killed. Right, right, right. You you say that the North knows no king, but but the king of the North, who is named Stark. The king of the North. King of the North. But there's so much. So much. It's so much. It's such a rich... Rich, rich ass his. You were just saying if this was a college class, I would you take would take 101 and then a 102 if I could. I think I would flunk out a 101 to be perfectly honest. I, I this is a subject that I know nothing about other than a few movies, mm-hmm. and even that fairly limited. I didn't see Goodfellas till like two years ago. Blasphemy. Don't look at me like that. Blasphemy. Don't look at me like that. And you know what's weird? Goodfellas, which is now an old movie. Mm-hmm. Really struck me. I was like, "Oh, this is cool." I was oh, like, you, "Why are we watching this all the time? Uh, Where are the gangster movies now?" 
they're not being made. Like Scorsese is making a new one called The Irishman. It's about. It's gonna be on Netflix. Netflix. Yes, it's it's gonna have um, De Niro, Pacino, uh, Joe Pesci's back. Ray Romano's in it. Ray Romano's in it. Anna Paquin's in it. I just saw a um, a Netflix billboard in Buffalo, New York, for some some movie with Joaquin Phoenix. Really? Yeah, I was oh, like, shit. oh, I don't care about that. When's The Irishman come out? Uh, 2019. Oh, we got time. Yeah. We got lots of time. I heard it was huge budget. Yeah. It's like one of their biggest. I'm excited to see it. I'm looking forward It's to been it. a while since De Niro and uh, Scorsese have done a film together. Their last one they did, I want to say, was Casino. And that's my favorite gangster movie. That'll be a different top five. That'll be a different top five. I just ruined it. I'm sorry. It, it has been. <laughs> it has been. Yeah, because... He's been working with uh, DiCaprio. DiCaprio. Uh, Don't get me wrong. No, no. The work he does with DiCaprio is amazing. Very good. Very good. All right, Taylor, should I dive into my uh, Steve, number please, five? what is your number five gangster? All right. My number five gangster is from our area, from Buffalo, New York, and Niagara Falls. What the shit? Yes. Stefano Magadino. Okay. Okay. A.K.A. The Undertaker. I'm not joking. That's his, like, nickname. I'll tell you why he's got this nickname later on. I have a really quick question about The Undertaker. Uh Uh-huh. Did he have an underling that maybe talked like this? He talked more like, Oh, yes! Oh, man! But, um, uh, Stefano Magadino was born in 1891 in Castamari della Golfo, Sicily. That's a mouthful to say. Yeah, that was hard. He is the cousin to uh, Joseph Bonanno, who becomes the head of one of the uh, five families of New York. Okay. In 1909, his family moves to the U.S. They migrate. They settle in Brooklyn. He joins a street gang. He drops out of school. As uh, you do. As you do in... As, as a young immigrant boy in Brooklyn. And you join the Five Points Gang. The Five Points Gang? There's a Five Points Gang. They're still around? They're still around. That's the, wild. Dude, the Dead Rabbits were real. Oh, oh, the dead rabbits didn't make my list. Oh, they were in, um... They were in Gangs of New York. Uh, nah, not just that, um... Bohanna, I can't think of it. Hell on Wheels. Yeah, they were in Hell on Wheels. Um, by, uh, 1921, Stefano murders Camilio Cacuza. He's a member of another Italian gang. That, that's where he makes his bones to earn his, like, membership. So he can be a made man? Sort of, yeah. He joins the uh, Salvatore Marizano gang in New York. He is also from Castle Mary. Okay. Um, eventually, he becomes a U.S. citizen. He legit becomes a natural U.S. citizen. So he was just kind of like an immigrant. Yeah, he becomes uh, in 1924. That's a long time. Yeah. Uh, in 1922, though, he moves to Buffalo for Marizano after one of his um, like soldiers die. He ran like the <laughs> Buffalo... Outfit. Sure. Uh, that was Giuseppe Delacaro. Okay. That's tough to say, too. Uh, during this time, though, in the 20s, a little late 20s, there was a, uh, a war between Salvatore Marizano and Joe the Boss Masseria. Okay. They are both, like I said... Joe the Bruce Springsteen <laughs> Masseria. Masseria. Got it. Um, uh, Masseria is also from Castamari, Sicily. So it's like... Okay, so they, they're they like, oh, you're from the old country? You're cool. Like, yes. you're from the town? You're cool. But the reason their feud started up is because Salvatore 
was calling himself like boss of bosses. He was calling himself like Capo de Coop. Capo de... I can't say. I'll Capo come back Koopa? to it. Yeah, something like that. Boss King of bosses. King Koopa. King Koopa. So, but he sides with uh, Maranzano. Okay. I'm not going to get into the uh, Castlemary War until later on in my top five. Okay. Is that okay? No, that's fine. Okay. Because okay. I know what you're talking about for once. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> that was in my research. Um, eventually, it settles down. Okay. And... Magadino becomes a charter member of the American Mafia's ruling council known as the Commission. The Commission was the five families in New York. Okay. Um, you have the Luciano slash Genovese family. Right, right, right. But it's, mo- it's mostly called the Genovese family yeah. now. You have the Colombo family. Uh, and one but- more thing. Oh, uh, <laughs> you got the bunch of joke not go over well in the room. <laughs> you got the Gambino family, right? Know them. Uh, the Lucchese family, uh-huh. and you have the Bonanno family. Okay. Those are the modern time family names. Okay, the uh, last one you made up. There's no Banana family. It's called. Um, they someone <laughs> changes it. Okay. Yeah. Two Banana family. N- no, Bonanno. Banana. <laughs> I'm not saying banana. I'm not saying banana. You said banana. Listen, just I because just because uh, Joe Banana's nickname was Joey Bananas. Okay, <laughs> now I'm not crazy. You're not, I'm not crazy. the crazy one. No, you're not crazy. I'm not joking. That was his nickname, dude. I got nicknames for everyone here. It's crazy. Oh, you know what? It really tickles me. Is fun nicknames. You go want to be a mobster? You want to kill people? You want to racketeer? You want to shoot out the FBI? You're gonna need a cute nickname, dude. There's a guy called um. Anthony Gaspipe Cassio or something. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Not joking. There's a guy called Vincent the Ching Gigante. <laughs> I'm not joking. Okay. They're not even like cool rappers. I know they're not. Listen, this is just the names that Tell me got. more about Joey so, Bananas. <laughs> nah, I'm not telling you more about uh, Joey Bananas. So um, his, um, but, uh, Magazino's Buffalo crime family was heavy in bootlegging because we're, we're, Located in Canada. Right. Uh, his empire stretched from Buffalo, the Falls, Rochester, Utica, Youngstown, Ohio, into Canada, Fort Erie, to Toronto, to Montreal. These jump Syracuse, New York? The fuck? I think... Do you want to take the Erie Canal any further? I want to say it might belong to one of the five families I, down I, there. I couldn't tell you. I wouldn't be surprised. Jewel they, they the Hudson not, Valley. They try not to... Uh, Ste- like step on each other's territories. Right, right, because they're gentlemen. Um, real quick on the commission. The commission, like, say, like the Chicago outfit mm-hmm. wanted to get into like the casino business down in like Cuba at the time. Sure, they have to get the okay from mm-hmm. the commission. I see. Okay, so that's like or, the general court of owls council. Yeah, or say if someone from the Lucchese family wants to murder someone from the um, Genovese family. They yeah. have to get the okay from the commission. Okay, interesting. Yeah. That's very civil for a bunch of monsters. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, he's the longest tenured boss in American history. Mm-hmm. He lasted for fifty years. That's a long. That is the longest time. Yes. Out of jail too. Uh he did get arrested like in the late sixties. Oh, he late. also got arrested in nineteen fifty seven at the Appalachian Conference. That's where we were introduced to. Carlo Gambino taking over the Gambino crime family because mm-hmm. he killed another cool nickname, Albert the High Lord Executioner Anastasia. Oh, <laughs> the High Lord. Yes. 
Albert the Ranking Nobility, Duke of Edinburgh and I told you, these nicknames are funny. They're ridiculous. And Billy the Regent Imperial. Derrick. Okay, I don't know if I'm going to finish this up. During the 60s, uh, his cousin, Joe Bananas. I said bananas for you, just for the laugh. And um, another um, high-ranking uh, mafia family leader was out to kill the commission because of how Gambino became a boss. Mm-hmm. He didn't like how Anastasia got murdered. You don't kill You don't kill a boss. No, you don't kill you a get, boss. You get That's the commission from the commission. And Gambino had zero. There's other ways to like edge out a boss, yeah. too. You know? So there's, uh, it's called the Banana Wars. <laughs> Do you want, I'm not joking. This is the best moment of my life. I'm not Steve, joking. Steve, Nest. tell me all about the Banana Wars. There's way too much to tell. Okay. All you need to know is that... Give me the highlights of the Banana Wars. Joe Banana was kidnapped <laughs> by Stefano Magadino for two years. Joey Bananas for yeah. two years? And also um, Joe Colombo betrayed um, Banano and the other high-ranking mafia, and he became the leader of the Colombo family. Oh. And he didn't last too long. He no. was uh, shot... And then he was in a coma and died. He was shot by another mobster? He was shot at a, uh, like an Italian rally. Interesting. Yeah, it was a weird he was place. He shot at Italian Fest. <laughs> he was shot at Italian Listen, Fest. Listen, Hurdle's a dangerous name. Um, he survived many assassination attempts in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. There was a bomb that killed his his sister or his daughter. I can't remember which. Well, now, was as a he lived in Buffalo? Yeah, he lived in Buffalo. Was he like a hurdle boy or what was it? He was in the falls. He was in the oh, falls. So his nickname, I told you I'd get to his nickname, yeah, The Undertaker. Yeah. He ran a funeral home in the falls. I have driven by this funeral home. It's a nice looking building. Oh. So like say like he d- they committed a murder. Yeah. So this is what they would do. They would So the body would be on the bottom of the casket. Sure. And then whatever, the padding would be above it. Oh. And then Another body that was for the wake or funeral. He gave him the double-decker. Yeah. So he hid bodies in... The casket. Who would... That's that's brilliant. (laughs) That's fucking brilliant. Um, Why didn't anyone build stuff on this? I don't know. Uh, They had, like, bootlegging, like I said. Um, They had legal casinos in Buffalo. um, Bookmaking, loan sharking, all that. Oh, I'm sure. Um, In 1968, his son... Pete were arrested for bookmaking, interfaking right. bookmaking. Uh, July 19, 1974, at the age of 82, Stefano Magadino passed away. Um, he's That's buried in... for a mobster. Yeah. That's like 1,003 for a mobster. No one lives that long in the world of the mafia. He is buried in St. Joseph Cemetery in Niagara Falls. So we could go check him we out. We could go and check him out. There's a rumor... I don't want to go to Niagara Falls. ...that, I don't know if you know who... Joseph Falacci is. No. He kind of like told the world during one of the Senate hearings what the mafia is, and he was like a rat. Okay. There's a rumor is that his body's buried in the falls, too. Interesting. Under like an assumed name. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Steve, that is a weird local hero. I didn't know we had. That's why he's my number five. I felt like where we live, he had to be on my list. There's other ones it. I could have picked, but he had to be on. You got it. That's an important part because I know nothing about. Gangster culture in Buffalo, aside from my close neighbors who keep getting busted by the feds for growing too much weed. There's a joke in the falls. If he was alive today, 
there wouldn't be the Indian casino in the falls. He'd be running the casino. He, there would be a legit casino run by, like, they would have their fingers, like, in the take, but the for Indians s- wouldn't be running it. For some reason, I feel like if that guy, you know, from the Banana Wars was running a casino, it wouldn't be that legit. Yes. <laughs> All right, Taylor, what is your uh, number five? Steve, we're going to play a game. Okay. We're going to play a quick game. We're going to play this game off and on for me. You play along at home, too. Play along at home. It's called Guess That Gangster. Are you ready? I wish we had betting music for this. Are you ready? Yeah. Uh, let me know when you recognize this guy. Lester Gillis? No? Okay. So, Lester Gillis uh, is is born in... Uh, uh, he's a Chicago boy. Okay. He's a Chicago boy. In 1908, he's born. And he grows up a petty gang member. Burglaries... Minor racketeering, basically just like a kid. And he starts working the uh, suburbs as part of the Tui family. The Tui family? Uh, they were kind of the Chicago suburbs. Small time. They yeah. were kind of a small time gang uh, that disagreed with Al Capone. Oh, you know, yeah, you, a smart thing to do. You do not piss off. Al Capone, Scarface. But they were so small time and they were working in the suburbs that Scarface not even on his radar. So they're kind of a side gang. This guy, as a young man, started working with his gang in burglaries. George Nelson is his name now. Now he's called George Nelson. Um, So George, Jimmy to his friends, Mm -hmm. he's got three names now, I want to point out, and none of them are the one you're going to recognize. Okay. So our friend Jimmy starts burglarizing homes he breaks into the house of a magazine executive like a guy who owns all these magazines and he's still home so they tie him up (laughs) oh shit steal three million dollars that's in 1908 money three million no that's in no i did the math already that's in current money Three million dollars worth of cash, jewels, artwork, stuff from this fucking guy while he's just tied up in the living room and gets away with it. Damn. Three million. That's enough to retire on, I want to point out. Yeah. This guy's life could have been very different. So they keep running small robberies, things like that. At one point, they rob a woman for... uh, uh, 18000 in jewelry uh, turned out to be the mayor of Chicago's wife. Really? Straight up just mugged her. Which says a lot about the mayor of Chicago's wife oh. walking around Chicago with 18 grand in jewelry. Of all the people to, her. Of all the people to mug. What are the chances? Yeah, what are also, the chances of that? What the fuck is she doing? Dude, you do not walk I around. I don't want to victim blame, but the mayor of Chicago should know better. What year is this? Uh, this would be 1920s. Yeah, I would not walk around Chicago look like that. You should know better. You should definitely know better. He should know better. Uh, eventually he's busted for all this shit. Yeah. And he goes to Joliet. Uh, uh, Joliet Prison in, uh, it's outskirts of Chicago. Oh, yeah. Uh, I want to, I can't remember. It's where you go if you get busted in Chicago. And, uh, while he's being transferred, he escapes with the help of another gang. 
The John Dillinger gang. What? Dillinger po- pops him out of the... Uh, Dillinger breaks him out during a prison transfer. That is You might cool. know this guy by his name, Babyface Nelson. Yes! This is a man... So he joins up with the Dillinger gang. John Dillinger at this point is called by J. Edgar Hoover public enemy number one. For bank robbery. Yeah, well, dude, he, he's robbing... Dude, he robbed so many banks, he... He only got caught once, I think. We'll talk about John Dillinger. Um, so, so at this point, Babyface is a notorious bank robber, mm-hmm. along with Dillinger's gang, uh, Pretty Boy Floyd, these kind of cutesy gangsters at the time. But you don't call Babyface Babyface to his face. I got a question real quick. I get an answer. Um, Machine Gun Kelly wasn't part of. I don't Dillinger. think he was part of Dillinger's gang. Okay. He was. At uh, a contemporary, though. Yeah, he was, like, running around this time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I didn't know. I couldn't yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, this is Irish. So you don't so you don't call uh, Babyface Babyface? You don't call Babyface to his face because he'll fucking kill you. Literally, it happened. He killed a man. At this point, Babyface becomes kind of a mad dog. Uh, he shoots cops. At one point, uh, him... Dillinger and the gang are hiding out at these uh, lodges in, in mm-hmm. Illinois, hiding out from the cops. It's like a tourist trap kind of a hotel. The FBI shows up. Dillinger and the boys go out the back door, and Babyface shoots a fucking FBI agent. Jesus Christ. He hangs out and just shoots at them with a Tommy gun, which at the point, I want to point out, Tommy gun shot a forty-five caliber full metal jacket slug. Contrary to video games, that will go through a fucking wall. Yeah. You will destroy everything. And, and by this time, they've got the drum for yeah, the Tommy gun. The Thompson's been, the, the Thompson uh, rifle, the Thompson submachine gun was built at the wrong time. It was built for World War One, but it wasn't finished until after World War One. So the only thing it could really be used for was for cops until World War Two, And even then, even though it's in every video game, because it's, a Tommy gun. Yeah. It wasn't used as often because it it has a lot of spray. It doesn't have a lot of range. So the cops would all have them. But if the cops have them, that means they're on the street, which means the gangsters all yeah. have them. So the Chicago typewriter, the Tommy gun, is perfect for fucking robbing banks oh, and yeah. nothing else. Just picture in the 1920s just riding on the side of the car with a Tommy gun. Just uh, the drive-by was invented because of the Tommy yep. gun. Uh so, Babyface Nelson's on the run at this point. He splits up from the, the the Dillinger gang, and they become known as the second Dillinger gang, even though Dillinger's yeah. not there. He, him, a couple of buddies, and his wife are on the run. He's so aggressive at this point. He's driving down the road, and he sees a car pull up, and he goes, those are agents, I know it. That car takes a U-turn. To follow him. He takes a U-turn. That car takes a U-turn. And they start circling each other until Babyface Nelson is fucking chasing this FBI car with his Tommy gun out the window. So is, so is he driving this at this he, time? Uh, I, he was not. I believe okay. he was in shotgun, but without a shotgun, he had a Tommy gun. Yeah. So he's shooting at him. Eventually, the uh, a cop, the cops pull off into a field try and, and pull off the side of the road and try to get behind the car but Nelson's car took a bullet through the engine, and so it's just kind of sputtering down the road. So they're waiting for this car to come up. 
but the car doesn't come up because it's broken down down the road. Yeah. Instead, Babyface Nelson comes around the corner with a fucking gun oh, uh, and a buddy shit. whose name is not on here. So he's in a gun battle, literally with a name, the Battle of Barrington, with two FBI agents, Sam Crowley and Herman Hollis. Herman Hollis would later be known as the man who killed John Dillinger. No, already known as the man who killed John Dillinger. Does he kill Babyface Nelson? Is this what you're trying to tell me too? So what happens is they get in this huge shootout to the point where they're running out of bullets. They're tossing guns back and forth. Uh, Nelson's wife is hiding out in a ditch somewhere. Mm -hmm. Babyface Nelson shoots Cowley. So he shoots Sam Cowley, knocks him out. He's gone. He's Mm -hmm. out of the fight. He'll later die. Okay. Hollis shotguns Nelson in the knee. Oh, oh. Takes out his legs. Nelson drops to the ground. He gets back up. Cowley's back. Shoots him in the abdomen. It goes through his pancreas and his liver. Nelson, at this point, has run out of Tommy gun bullets. He's run out of 45s for his pistol. So his buddy throws him a fucking rifle. Like... A 1930s rifle, like below M1 Grand. And he just starts fucking pumping bullets at this guy, Herman Hollis. He eventually pops Hollis in the head, kills him. Kills the man who killed John Dillinger, his friend. Oh, shit. Kills him dead. His wife comes back, scoops up Nelson. He's been shot nine times times yeah once through the admin through the arms his legs are all fucked up takes him home and he dies in bed a man shot nine times who holds the record for most fbi agents killed which is only three but still that's a lot yeah dies at home in bed his wife wraps him in a blanket throws him in a ditch to be found later she goes on the run what? She goes on the run? Yeah, she's picked up. She does time later on. She does a year. Oh, but she does get arrested? But she does get... She gets that, busted eventually in Chicago. She does a year. That the is baby fuck, face Nelson. That is a fucking crazy story. Our boy Nelson shot nine times, kills three FBI agents, robs numerous banks, dies at home in bed. What a fucking psychopath. Oh, he's nuts. He is nuts. Every... Every gang needs a mad dog, as the Peaky Blinders will teach us. Oh, God, I love the Peaky Blinders. Babyface Nelson was Dillinger's mad dog. That's a good That's a good number five, dude. That's a good number that's five. That's a good number five. I want to start us off hard. Yeah. I got a half chub just thinking about it. <laughs> it's, I got nothing for that. Steve, Steve, mm-hmm. I want to know, and I want you to show me, what is your number four? My number four... Is Santo Traficante Jr. Oh, he invented orange juice. <laughs> I don't know if he did. Wait, wait, okay, hang on. He's, I know I've made that joke before. Is he the guy who killed JFK? He, he is in the conspiracy theory that killed JFK, so this ties back into top five conspiracy theories. Oh, shit, son. I felt like I should bring him into my list because I covered him in conspiracy theories. All right. So he was born November 15th, 1914 in Tampa, Florida. He dropped out of high school before the age of, I don't know, before the 10th grade. I'm sorry, guys. His father was Santos Sr. 
It's not really much to say there. It makes sense. But but he, but Santos Senior sends his son to go to New York to learn, the business, the biz, the family business, from the likes of, good old Joey Bananas. Joey Bananas was there. <laughs> yep. Um, Meyer Lansky, Lucky Luciano, Tommy Lucchese. He's all because his, fa- his father's super close with them. Okay. Um. Because he, he was well respected with the families and all that. Uh, senior dies in 1954, at the age of 68. Junior takes over the uh, Florida family, the Traficante family. Mm-hmm. Um, his uh, crime family runs many casinos in Havana, Cuba. Okay. So he is working closely with. Batista, who's running Cuba at this time. Right, right. It's before of, Castro. Yeah, most of the um, mafia have casinos in Cuba at this time. I've seen a lot of things from that because it's before the whole boycott, before, you know, the, the you can't get a flight there. Yeah, it was well before Castro took over. And the, it was a party. Island. Was Batista, was he communist? He wasn't communist. He wasn't communist. Okay. He, I would. He was a dictator, though. He was a dictator. I wouldn't say he was a fascist, but yeah. he was definitely a dictator. I, I didn't look too much into Batista because he's not. Not a great guy. He's not a great guy. Um, a junior was rest, arrested frequently through the 1950s. Uh, the only charge that ever stuck was for bribery, bribery in 1954. He had one of the best lawyers to help him get out. Of any trouble was sure. uh, Frank Regano, aka the mob lawyer. Oh, he, he got out like he the uh, Regano helped um, Traficante Junior, mm-hmm. Carlos Marcella. Uh, oh, he also helped Jimmy uh, Hoffa. Jimmy Hoffa, okay. So Jimmy, so Hoffa, he had a long career. He had a long career. Yeah, uh, he wrote a book about all his dealings. Interesting. I never read it. But it's one of the books I want to read. Um, oh, he was also ref- arrested in 1957 during the Appalachian Conference. A lot of mobsters get arrested. Where did the cops show up? Yeah, so the story is all these limousines start appearing in Appalachian, New York. And the, it's like a like a hill town. It, that's a small town. It's a small town. You can go camping there. Yeah, and the, and the cops time. are like, what is going on? And they're all meeting at this, like, building. Yeah. So... They raid the building. Why not? Because these guys are wearing suits, and they're not used to seeing this type no, no, of no. shit. So that's he gets arrested there. Um, oh, see, oh, he had, so once Castro took over, he kicked out all the mafioso, and took their casino money right. for his own. So he plotted to kill Castro after this. Interesting. With expelled Cubans, and the CIA. That's like some Bay of Pig shit. It is some Bay of Pig shit. That's intense. That is super, yes. Now, was the CIA, like, they were, like, wanted to work with this guy, or was this just, like, yeah, his Yeah, because he... He's he, got connections. He hated uh, Castro because of what he did to him. He Cut pretty much... Profit. He got arrested in Cuba. Yeah. Uh, took, they took his money, and they just kicked him out. Oh, that's out a bunch of bullshit. So he's pissed about the money. I'd oh, be pissed, sure. too. Sure, especially since he's used to be treated nicely. Yeah, um, so that if you ever watched the movie The Good Shepherd with uh, Matt Damon, oh, yeah, you there's a Joe Pesci's in the movie, he plays like that version of Santa Traficante, okay, of Junior in that movie. Yeah, so it doesn't say Traficante, but you get the idea. It's it's that, yeah, guy. Um, 
as you guys know from the first episode of conspir- of Top 5 Conspiracy Theories, he was also tied into killing JFK. Uh, do you need me yeah, to... Yeah, rehash a little. A quick overview. So, because... My theory was because Robert Kennedy, the Attorney General at the time, was going after the Mafia. So, which is a betrayal because they helped get JFK elected. Every uh, dead man in uh, Clark County voted for that guy. uh, Joseph Kennedy, his father, went to multiple associates of his. Cook County. Sorry, I forgot where Chicago was. Yeah, Cook Cook County. County. Uh, Clark County is Las Vegas. Is it Las Vegas? It's Las Vegas. Went to uh, many of his associates to help his son get elected. Uh, and his, Robert was kind of like spinning the hands of them and everything. So they killed JFK because if you kill Robert, JFK's just going to bring down the fury of the government. you got to cut off the head of the snake. And you got Johnny Boy Roselli, who may have shot JFK. Your from great my, uncle, if no, I remember he correctly. He was not my great uncle. He spells the name differently. Who shot him from like an overpass. Sure, Stevie, minus one out. I think he, I think Traficante also might have had been involved with uh, Hoffa's murder. murder. Okay. I don't know. I think it was mainly Chicago and Detroit at the time. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not very I, I'm not getting into that. He's very Midwest. Um, a final time he escaped conviction was during the Donnie Brasco undercover investigation. Oh, with Al Pacino. Wait. Jo- Johnny Depp. And Johnny Depp. And Johnny Depp. The, um, Johnny Depp shows up a The lot King's Court... Bottle Club was operated by members of the Bonanno family. Gotcha. And wait, what was it called? The King's Court? The King's Court. The bo- Archduke of Buckingham. Dude, what's the name? The King's Court Bottle Club. Okay. That's the name of it. I'd go to that bar. And um, there's a there's a story where they have to meet with Traficanti because he's you know he runs Tampa, he runs Florida to open up this club. So it's Traficanti, Donnie Brasco's there undercover, uh, Sonny Black's there. He's the crew that Donnie Brasco's with. Okay. And uh, I can't think of El Pacino's character's name. It's been a it's year like since I've seen it. Lefty. We'll go it, is lefty. lefty. it is Lefty. Lefty. Not Lefty Luciano. It's no. Lucky Luciano. Lefty. We'll go, we'll go it with, is Lefty. I yeah, can't remember. We're going to go with that. That's all I know. Sure. And that's how he gets brought in charge because Donnie Brasco. Because Lefty was kind of a mid-boss. He was like a lower... He got passed up a lot. Yeah. Um, Santa Jr. dies March 17th, 1987 at the age of 72. How did he die? Uh, I think heart attack, old age. It didn't, really, age. It didn't really say. In 72, old man. Yeah. Oh, there's... Real quick. Um, on his deathbed, uh, Frank Ragano did ask Santo what happened to Jimmy Hoffa. And he claims that the mob killed him. Okay. So just wrap up that okay. story. Taylor, what is your uh, number four? My number four is a little more modern. Okay. Not too modern. My number four is Frank Lucas. Ooh. Frank Lucas was born in 1930 and is still fucking alive. I had no idea. He's still alive? He's still alive. Oh, shit. Holy. One, that's old. Mm-hmm. Like, that's an old, old man. Mm-hmm. Two, holy shit. Like, that dude's got to be almost 90. He, he's got to yeah. be close to 90. I'll look it up for yeah. us. So, he's super old. Frank Lucas is a black American born in North Carolina and known drug kingpin. We think that his origins and crime go back to seeing his 12-year-old cousin murdered by the Ku Klu- Klu- 
Klux Klan. Oh, shit, really? Yeah, for ogling a white woman. And he was like, well, fuck everything. Oh, real quick, he's 87. Super old. He's super old. That's a billion in mobster years. Yes. That dude is Methuselah in mobster years. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 I'm glad I know. So eventually he moves out of North Carolina and moves into Harlem, New York, where he is kind of the apprentice to one of the local black bosses, Bumpy Johnson. Bumpy Johnson? Bumpy Johnson is is a leftover from a bygone era, racketeering, protection, that kind of money. But he also was trying to be like a Robin Hood figure. He was a a kind of... he thought of himself as like a protector of Harlem. Well, we know the real protector of Harlem is Luke Cage, hero for hire, power man. <laughs> power man. Um, but he was trying to be a protector. So Sweet Christmas. So even though he was extorting everyone for protection money with the right hand, with the left hand, he'd give you a turkey for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So Frank Lucas kind of learns from this guy. But he's also still a petty criminal. Burglaries, minor drugs bootleggings off the table because at this point it's the you know mid 50s to yeah. 60s there's no money in so there. he's into like probably racketeering at this racketeering point. protection a little gambling eventually he finds that the real money is in drugs but the problem is the drugs are all controlled by local mafia figures so he's got to find a way to get a supply without the mafia thank god for vietnam So what he does is he gets in contact with a sergeant in the American army stationed in Thailand, you know, an outskirt of, in Bangkok, shout out to Joe K. Um, (laughs) uh, uh, He he gets in touch with a sergeant who's married to one of his cousins to whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever. It's a, it's a big thing, but uh, it's uh, Ike Atkinson. Ike Atkinson knows everyone in Thailand, Mm -hmm. in this Golden Triangle area. He knows the cooks. He knows the sergeants. He's the go-to guy. Are they getting heroin, or what are they getting? Heroin. Heroin? Okay. So Frank gets in with Atkinson, and he goes, all right, I need heroin, and I needed to come to the U.S. How in God's name are you going to ship enough heroin into the U.S. from Thailand to make a profit? Even if you're paying the planes and they get in there safely. Um, I don't know. How, how are you getting it into them? Well, what's getting shipped from overseas to America? Dead soldiers. No. They're using dead soldiers to... Coffins. Coffins from <sighs> Vietnam are getting shipped into America in record numbers. So what they do... It, there's a movie, American yeah. from Denzel Washington. They, they say that they shipped them in the coffins. They're not... In the coffins, they're in the pallets the coffins are sitting on. But each coffin is six to eight kilos of heroin. That is... Not cocaine. No, heroin. Fucking heroin. You just need a little diamond bag for that shit to kill you. Because cocaine didn't really come to the States until like the 70s. Cocaine's here, but it's not as profitable in business. Heroin's kind of the replacement for morphine back in the day. So Lucas gets a perfect supply of pure East Asian heroin coming to him for practically nothing. Atkinson is loading up all he can for nickels. Because you pay a, 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 a Thai man 
a dollar, that's a hundred dollars. Oh, they, yeah, they're, they're probably so they're this. making stupid profit, almost a hundred percent profit. Shipping for free, showing up for nothing. All he's got to do is bribe a few guards to to get at those sweet pallets full of cocaine and or full of heroin. Yeah, and starts injecting what he calls blue magic. Blue magic. I want to point out this guy's got great branding. Blue magic. He protects that brand. Ninety-eight to ninety-nine percent pure blue. Magic. Oh, shit, yeah. Which I think might have been the name of Walter White's meth. Blue Sky. Blue Sky. Either way, stolen from Blue Magic. That's, yeah. Accurate. So he starts making money hand over fist. He is literally quoted as saying, I wanted to be Donald Trump rich. Oh, sh- wait. Oh, this is like- 70s and 80s. He was quoted as that saying later. Oh, later, okay. But he so wanted money. Yeah, he wanted money. And he makes Money, because he cuts out the middleman. Because he's does he cut out the 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 general guy? He cuts out everything but Atkins. Oh, okay. so Atkinson turns a profit, but you know he's still in the army. Yeah, so he's got to stay there. So basically, he's the maker, the put the supplier, the pusher, and the dealer. Oh shit! The only other person required is Atkinson to get. It into the coffins yeah. to get well, whatever into the U.S. So by cutting out all the middlemen, he's everything. That's fucking crazy. So Luke is sucking up almost a hundred percent of the profit. And I gotta point out, it, you know, a kilogram of heroin at that point was worth thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. It's enormous profits. So he buys. Property. He's got offices in Detroit, apartments in Harlem, a ranch in North Carolina, Puerto Rico, uh, Miami, uh, you name what? it. What? He can go wherever he wants and just, oh, that's where my apartment is. I'll just stay there. He starts uh, uh, stockpiling cash at home, but he's also smart, and he stockpiles cash in the Cayman Islands. That's what, like, you know, most criminal masterminds do anyway. Yeah, like the president. Um, well... It's what the Caymans and what Switzerland, Swiss, uh, Swiss, Swiss banks. Yeah. Swiss banks have uh, not been as reliable lately. German banks really unreliable. <clears throat> Deutsche Bank. Okay. Anyway, okay, a couple of people will get that one. Uh, so he's making all this money. Clearly, he's a drug kingpin. But he learned from Bumpy Johnson that he wants to be a pillar of the community. And this is Harlem, New York, in the '60s and '70s. It's bedlam. This is gang violence, fires, garbage strikes. This is the worst time to be in New York. Civil, the civil rights just sort of probably just happened. Civil rights just happened, and it's only gotten worse yeah. since then. Uh, it's not a good time to be a New Yorker. But he's got all this money, so he's handing out turkeys here. He's doing good works there. He's trying to open up a little bit there. But the entire time he's doing that, he's fucking poisoning his own community with goddamn heroin. The worst drug. Yeah. Besides everything your doctor gives you. Um, this is sorry. a son of a bitch. He's a bastard. He is. He's a fucker. And he's a liar, too. And that makes it hard to do work on him because he says he put the money in... Or he, put, he says he put the cocaine in fat guys' coffins. But his supplier said, no, it was in furniture and it was in uh, the pallets. I can't believe this man because he's a fucking asshole. Still alive. Fuck you, Frank Lucas. (laughs) 
Fuck you. Denzel Washington's really good in the movie. Um, I wonder if he got rights for that, if he's still alive, liking those rights. I wonder if he got some money off that. I wouldn't be surprised. If he did, fuck him. Yeah. I'm glad his dick doesn't work anymore, that 89-year-old piece of shit. Hi-o. So anyway, eventually he's tracked down by Russell Crowe. That's that's the movie again. (laughs) That's the movie. That's the movie again. Uh, The cops raid his house. Mm -hmm. In Harlem? In New Jersey. Got one there, too. Jesus Christ. So New Jersey cops raid him. New York cops all paid off. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. North Carolina cops can't even touch him. Caught him in New Jersey. Stop buying property everywhere, dickhole. Yeah. Uh, they find $584,000 in cash money plus almost a million dollars in heroin. He kept it in his In house. his house where he lives! Have we learned nothing? You don't, Have we learned nothing? You don't keep your supply with you. This is the problem when you don't outsource a little. Yeah. Everything's with you. He's convicted of... Of drug charges, racketeering, uh, uh, not paying the IRS. All tax evasion? Tax evasion, you name it. He's given 70 years in prison. Okay. But he rats. Who does he rat on? A hundred different convictions based on all the names he names. What? Us. Well, 1975, he's given 70 years. Yeah. Rats on 100 people. He's out in 81. Jesus Christ. Lifetime parole, but he's out in 81. And then he's back in again in 91. He got busted for trying to sell, trying to buy a brick of cocaine and trade it for a little heroin and some money. (laughs) So he got put back in in 81. Holy fuck. I want to point out this guy was given 70 years and a lifetime parole. Yeah. He only made it 10, and then he's put back in jail. I would have gotten a 91. So this dude is out free. He's a free man, a man who poisoned New York, a man who... <laughs> dude, he, he shipped drugs in dead soldiers' coffins. This is a bad man. Yeah. And I want to know, he does conferences and things. You can go see him. And... Allegedly, I would say never ever assault him if you see him. Wink. Because you'll end up dead. Wink. Assault him. So, anyway, uh, this dude's a fucking asshole. I loved his movie, but you know what? Denzel Washington's very charming. He's very nice. He's not he makes charming. He look like he, a good man. He's a son of a bitch in real life. He's a fucking asshole. And that's why he's number four. For being a fucking asshole. That's a good number four. I feel good about my number four. Frank Lucas deserves to die. Yes, 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 he does. Um, but, of course, as we all know, New York got a lot better. It got a lot more corporate. Good or bad, yes or no, there's less heroin now. Yeah. But imagine what he set back for spending 10 years of pumping heroin into Harlem, New York. I'm angry. I'm kind of angry. You should be angry. I don't want to idolize some of these people. These you are, shouldn't idolize any of these people. Piece of shit. I would take a dump in his old ass mouth. And I've seen pictures of a mold. Looked like a great place to take a dump. Ugh. And that's our. Uh, that's the first. Uh, that's, a, that's number four on my list. Uh, no, we have to take a break on that. I don't know what to do. If I was a better host, I wouldn't have planned it like that. All right, we're heading to break. Stay tuned. 
for number three. <laughs> Top five gangsters. Welcome back to Top 5. We're counting down the Top 5 American Gangsters. So far we've had old school mobsters, new school drug dealers. I'm looking forward to digging more of this hole, Steve. Alright, so my number 3 is Meyer Lansky. And he is born July 4th, 1902. He is a Jewish mobster. He's Polish and Jewish. Uh, he's known as the uh, Mobs Accountant. He's a childhood friend of Benjamin Bugsy Siegel. Oh, yeah. He's Bugsy. also close friends with Lucky Luciano, which he met as a teenager. <laughs> uh, he worked bootlegging with both Bugsy and Lucky. He uh, worked very close with Arnold Rothstein. Okay. And um, Dutch Soltz. Dutch Dutch. Schultz, These guys that. were all in my research. Like, they all know each other. Yeah, they all know each other, yeah. Um, he eventually joins the uh, Luciano crime family. Mm-hmm. He's not really, like, the consigliere to Luciano, but Luciano holds him in such high esteem, he goes to him for advice either way. What's, what's a consigliere? Uh, it's like your visor. So you got the mm. the boss, your underboss, and you got your consigliere, who's like, Okay, so he'd be kind of a guy to whisper. Yeah, you remember Tom Hagen from The Godfather? Yeah. Rob Duvall's character? Yeah. That's what, okay. that's what you would be. Um, by 1936, Lansky had gambling operations in Florida, New Orleans, and Cuba, of course, like I mentioned before. Um, Bugsy asked Lansky for help to get his, mo- his, his dream of a Las Vegas casino up and running. Mm-hmm. That was the Flamingo. Right. Um... He took the idea to uh, Luciano and the rest of the commission. They, excuse me, they agreed to back him. But over the time, Bugsy was running late on construction. There was some embezzling. And Bugsy asked for more money. And they got he got it. Okay. But um, when they actually opened, it was a disaster. Bugsy flew back to L.A. because he's out in L.A. at this point. And he's killed in his home. Oh. And 20 minutes after that happened, Lansky's associates took over to Flamingo. Oh, so Lansky comes out up on top. Well, Lansky and Luciano and all of them come out on top. Okay. Um, gotcha, gotcha. Lansky didn't want to kill his fr- have his friend killed, but the commission got tired of it, kind of got tired of dick- getting dicked around, mm-hmm. and they just solved it. Just killed him. Just solved it. Solved the problem. Um, Lansky was also kicked out of Cuba, like my previous mafioso, uh, Traficante, because of Castro, took all his assets. But he wasn't involved in, like, killing Castro or anything like Traficante mm. was. Let's see. Um, in 1970, Lansky fled to um, Israel. I'm not saying the city of Israel that I have here because I can't say it. You can point at me. I can try my best. Uh, okay, you want to try it? Right there. No, I'm good. Okay, you see? Um, <laughs> he, was, he was escaping uh, tax invasion charges from yeah. the government. Uh, two years later, Israel deported him back to the U.S. He was acquitted in 1974. Uh, he died of lung cancer on January 15th, 1983. 
and at the age of 80, in 1950, he had 20 million net worth to Jesus. his name. By the time of his death, 10 G's. I'm not surprised. Um, crime don't pay, kids. No, crime does not pay. Especially since he's not an overboss. Without Lucky. Yeah, he wouldn't. Without the family. He wouldn't have been too much anyway. Yeah. And uh, that's it. That's Meyer Lansky. Man, Steve. That's interesting. That's interesting. What what time period was that? That was like this was like in the twenties to like the eighties. Early, yeah. Where he like lived and ran his stuff. So that's really interesting, Steve. Oh yeah. You know what, why that's interesting? Why it's your uh, it's my number three. three is Bugsy Siegel. Uh, no, you piece of shit. Bugsy Siegel was a Jew from Brooklyn, born in nineteen oh six. Good buddies of Meyer Lansky. They formed the Lancy Skeagle, <laughs> Lansky Siegel gang. He was uh, eventually they got in together with uh, Lucky Luciano of the Luciano crime family. Uh, Bugsy got into some trouble and was sent out west. Didn't he murder someone? He started Murders Incorporated. Oh, yeah. Um, sub. Gang, I guess. Murders Inc. was the commission ordered hit squad. It was of all like Jewish mobsters. You had um you had Bugsy, of course. Yep. You had Dutch Salts. Yep. You had um oh, there's someone else. I can't think of it. Uh Albert Anastasia yep. ran it, the High Lord Executioner. Yep. And basically he killed a guy, and to get a little heat off of him, Lucky and the Luciano family sent him out west. Where he started hobnobbing in L.A. with uh, with movie stars and singers. And he thought to himself, man, sure would be great if we could have a casino out here. So Lucky bankrolled him. And, uh, and, and, and he got the money to make a casino in Las Vegas, which was essentially it was a, almost nothing. It was nothing at that time. I think it was there... a train stop on the way to L.A. Yeah. And he starts to build the Flamingo. But he's over budget. He's under time, and it's not doing well. And Lucky's like, hey, let's just fucking shoot him. But Meyer Lansky talks him out of it. He goes, hey, hey, give him some more time. This is my buddy. And Meyer Lansky, the accountant, correct? Mm-hmm. He knows his money. So he's like, all right, all right. He's got more time. Bugsy Siegel, who is another mad dog. Oh, he should not be in charge of this kind of stuff. Dude, he is a psychopath. Goes, I need another hundred thirty thousand, which in like forties money. That's a that's a lot of money. Millions. Yeah. And Lucky goes, okay, one hundred thirty million or hundred thirty thousand. You better make it up to me. So the flamingo opens, and he goes, oh, let's get all my my celebrity friends. So he's gonna get all his singer friends and his actor friends, and Bogey's gonna be there, and a young Frank Sinatra will come. It'll be great. But it rains for the first time in the West in months. And all the planes are grounded. And no one comes to the opening of the Flamingo. They lose thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in the first night. To the point where they have to close. Yeah. It closes. They close down for like, what, a month I was? A month. Yeah. Yeah, a couple months. And Lucky's clearly not happy. So he's like, oh. Let's just fucking kill him. And Meyer Lansky one more time says, no, 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 don't kill my friend. We'll get it together. We'll figure it out. It'll be okay. 
The Flamingo reopens a month later. And it does good business. It does gangbusters. Lots of money is made. And Bugsy Siegel, the dumbass mad doggy, is skims a little off the top. Which is expected. Yeah. But he skims a little too you're much. You're skimming from your partners. You're skimming from your partners. And you're also skimming from Lucky Luciano. The leader of the Luciano crime he's, family. He's pretty much the, one that has the commission. I promised myself I wouldn't do a Godfather impression. And Lucky Luciano says, Alright, we're going to kill him. And this time, Meyer Lansky lets it happen. He says, there's nothing we can do. Nothing we can do. He kills him. Let's him kill him. Lucky Luciano. <laughs> uh, Bugsy Siegel is at his girlfriend's house. Virginia he's, Hill. He's, Virginia Hill, his girlfriend. And he's shot through the window three times. And one of those is a Mo Green special. Oh, the eye. Right through the eye. Blows his fucking eyeball out. Did you ever see the uh, crime photo of that? Yes, I that did. That is brutal. It, I was actually surprised that like that photo was out and around. That was gross. Yeah. So he's dead. He's dead. We're going to do some fun stories about... Uh, so Bugsy Siegel, big with big with Hollywood stars. He actually goes back to Italy for a little bit. But this is, you know, the late 30s, early 40s. And he meets Mussolini. Yeah. And, uh, and he's like, oh, Mussolini. Cool guy. Very impressed with him. But you know who he also meets? Goebbels and Goering. <laughs> he meets those two? He meets two Nazis. And he goes... he. And I quote, took an instant dislike to them and offered to have them murdered. But the countess, the Italian countess who's hosting was like, no, 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 don't, 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 don't do that. However, if he had, he might have prevented World War II. He would have prevented the Holocaust probably. He would have prevented the Holocaust. He didn't meet Hitler though, right? No, just Goebbels and Goering were in Italy at the time. Didn't he have like a plot? I know it's in the movie, but I don't, so I don't know if it's true, but a plot to kill Mussolini eventually? Uh, eventually, I think he did, but the thing is, Mussolini was doing good work. Like, we didn't figure out fascism was bad until halfway through Mussolini. Yeah. We went, oh, this oh, is not good. Yeah. It's like the trains are running on time, but bad things otherwise. Um, To piggyback off your skimming, Please. by the way, I think uh, his girlfriend at the time, Virginia Hill, I think she also skimmed, too. Oh, they both skimmed. Yeah. Yeah, they both were taking huge kickbacks. Yeah. And... I mean, they were being paid well. That's the thing. You were They were living in luxury. You can see his house. It's gorgeous. It A house in L.A. Yeah. Gorgeous. Did you um? Did you read the myth of how he comes up with it? Because they do it in the movie, but I think it's also how he does it in real life. No, tell me. He's like standing in the desert. It's him, Virginia, and in the movie it's um Mickey Cohen. Yeah, he's Mickey like Cohen. one of the Jewish gangsters yeah, he's a, out he's there. He's one of his lieutenants. Yeah. And he has, like, this epiphany. Yeah. He sees lights and more lights. He just, he sees what Vegas could be. Right. What is kind of today. Yeah. Ultimately, Bugsy Siegel, a crazy mad dog hitman, kind of invented El, uh, Las Vegas. Yes, he, he did. He broke that ground. And you know what? The Flamingo made money hand over fist. The gold dust opened. They all, every crime boss, every singer, celebrity... Everyone took a shine to this LA or Las Vegas dream, which shouldn't exist because it's a fucking desert. Yeah. People shouldn't live there. And it was founded by, well, Vegas was already there, but 
with the casinos, like you said, it was founded by gangs. It was founded on gang crime, and now it's still run by gang crime. I mean corporations. Yes, because all the, um, by like the 70s and 80s, the, um, like the only thing the that can push out yeah. gang crime is corporate it's money. Corporate, yeah. New York, Las Vegas, Chicago, Los Angeles, yeah. Chicago. The only thing that can beat out gang money, corporate interest. Thanks, Walt Disney. Steve, I got to know, what is your number three? No, this is number two. Yes, it is. It's number two. Number two. Um, James Whitey Balger. <sighs> Steve, this is this is Johnny Depp showing up a lot in I, this episode. Dude, Johnny Depp plays some pretty good fucking gangsters, let me he tell does. you. He does. Um, so... Um, you don't call him Whitey, by the way. You just don't. Like, Why not... is he called Whitey? Because they're all white. It's because of his, like, blonde hair. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, because he has, like, like white hair. Yeah, he's got what's like, left of it. What's left of it. Um, born on uh, September 3rd, 1929 in Boston. Grew up in South Boston, a.k.a. Southie. He's a Southie. He's yeah. a Southie. Um, his brother, Billy Bulger, eventually comes a, uh, a state senator. Mm-hmm. It, it, the reason I'm mentioning Billy is because L ties in eventually. So like Billy had nothing to do with the um the criminal acts or anything. Sure. But he was still close with his brother and in that area. So it's a Southie family. It's a Southie They're an family. Irish family. Yeah. Um early in his criminal career, he uh the police gave him the nickname Whitey because of his blonde hair, like I said. Mm-hmm. Um he hated the name. His early crimes were larceny, assault, forgery, armed robbery. Larson, arson, arsony? Yeah. yeah. Um, Burgle, larson, arsony. That's the one. 1948, he joins the Air Force. I didn't know that until I read up I didn't on know it. That. No. 48? In 1948, he becomes huh. an Air Force mechanic. He spent time in the stockade for several assaults. <laughs> Not surprised. <laughs> he was honorably discharged in 1952. That's surprising. I know. Um, in 1956, he served his first term in a federal prison for armed robbery and truck hijacking. <laughs> truck hijacking. Now, this next part, you're going to love because okay. it ties back into uh, top five conspiracy theories. Get out of town. I'm not Hit joking. Me. Hit me. During his prison time, he claims he was involved in the MK Ultra program. <gasps> <laughs> Yes. Like Misha Gat. Yes. So so for those not knowing, uh, MKUltra, the, the, the government experimented on people in an attempt to control them with uh, drugs and brainwashing. So he was given huge doses of LSD. I shouldn't be laughing at this, but... I'm so excited. <laughs> Did you know? You no. heard of that? Okay. No. Um, no, MK Ultra was not in, it pointed out in Black Mass. I didn't see the. Oh, sorry, it's uh, my favorite thing. Uh, dude, MK Ultra is super fascinating. Um, he served time in the the Atlanta Penitentiary, but eventually was moved to Alcatraz in 1959. Can I can I throw out a fun fact? Yeah, I heard Alcatraz had the best food of all the prisons. I do not. I didn't know that. It was just, it, I, I just saw, it was a picture of like the menu written in chalk and it all looked very nice. But the warden of Alcatraz thought that bad food made, left bad people. It's one of the most famous prisons in the world. Yeah, oh, absolutely. 
If I'll, not the most. I wouldn't mind doing that. Rikers? I can't think of a more... Sing Sang? Sing Sang. I wouldn't mind doing, like... Wholesome. I wouldn't mind doing the uh, the Alcatraz, like, tour or whatever. You can't if I was in San Francisco, I'd do that. Yeah. Absolutely. I would 100%. do that in a heartbeat. I'd do that before I did Fisherman's Wharf. Yeah. Uh, he was granted parole in, uh, 65. He vowed to never go to prison ever again after okay. that. He didn't, did not care for it. He did not care for Wait, it. Wait, how did he end up in Alcatraz? He was just moved from the Atlanta oh, penitentiary. Yeah, okay. he just moved him. He was just transferred. I don't... Really... That's a long way to get transferred. Yeah. Well, it's like where you hold, like, the top... That's true. That's but, like, Kevin Capone. But, like, right now, he's, like... In, like, the 50s, he's not, like, that well-known, mm-hmm. like, the way he becomes later on. Right, right, Because he's a very contemporary... Yeah, gangster. gangster. Um, he, uh, when he gets back to Southie, he joins up with the, uh, the Khalil gang, who is an Irish gang that's running Southie. Mm-hmm. They eventually get into war with the Mauling group. Sure. And Whitey kills the wrong... McGonagall brother. He kills... Oh, not the McGonagall brother. He kills Donald. Oh, Donald McGonagall. Instead of the other brother. his name is Donald McGonagall? (laughs) Yeah, instead of Polly. Yeah, I'm not joking. I looked this up. Oh, you should never have killed Donald McGonagall. So that turns into a huge war. I'm not going to go too much into this war. But all you need to know is, at the outcome, Howie Winter, who runs the Winter Hell Gang. Winter Hell Gang, yeah, yeah, yeah. Settles everything, and Whitey becomes his number two. Right. And Whitey kills the other McGonagall brother eventually, because the brother was going to kill him for right. killing his brother. Sure. So, this is where Jimmy meets Steve the Rifleman Fleming. Yeah, another what nickname. Name. What a name. I know. He's Italian. Okay. Steve Fleming is, apparently. And they become, you know, they pretty much, they are like the number twos in this crime. Right. Eventually, uh, Howie goes to prison for, like, rigging horse races and all that. So now Jimmy's in charge of the Winter Hill game. Okay. You got any questions so far? Which one's Jimmy? Uh, Whitey. Oh, Whitey's Jimmy. Whitey's Jimmy, yeah. Okay, Whitey's... Sorry, sorry, yeah. Well, Jimmy, I, I keep Jimmy changing. Jimmy Bulger, Whitey Bulger. Yeah. George uh, Nelson, Elliot Nelson. Yeah, there's Lee so many. Nelson. They get names. Okay, so now Whitey's in charge of so, the Winter Hill gang. So, during this time... John Connolly, who's an FBI agent, who is a childhood friend of Billy's, see, all ties back. Oh, shit. And Whitey's, goes up to him and says, hey, I need your help to get the Italians. He becomes a rat. Whitey does. Whitey does, yes. On the Italians. Yeah, on the Italians. Interesting. And and C. Fleming becomes one, too. Okay. There's a... I'm not going to get into Fleming, but he's already a rat to begin with, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not like what you think a rat would he's be. He's not a known rat. Yeah, he's just making his life better, getting rid of the, sure, rid of other people. He's using that to get rid of the competition. Exactly, and that's what Whitey does with John Connolly. Because okay. once you get rid of the Italians in Boston, he controls like um, vend- the vending machine. You have vending machine racket? Racket. No lie. That's no, he, that's a real that's thing. That's a real racket. That was a real thing in the 70s because every bar had a vending machine for cigarettes. They had a vending machine uh, for pool. They had a machine for everything came out of a machine, and that was all uh, uh, labor, basically, mm-hmm. racketeering. Uh, the main Italian group was the Angelo crime family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so And the jukebox. And the jukebox, yes. 
Sorry, that was the other one I was trying to think. Oh, the the racket. The vending machine. Yeah. So eventually, Conley thinks Jimmy and Flemmy are working for him, mm-hmm. but he ends up working for Jimmy because Jimmy's got Jimmy's giving him like suits and money, and he's making him like classier. Yeah, and um, there's he he's a brutal murderer too. Oh. Court, if you watch Black Mass, he kills a lot. He kills a lot of people. He rolls and them up in rugs and throws them in the river. He throws them in the river. He's also have a hiding spot underneath like some highway in Boston, mm-hmm. like over like an overpass or something. He's got like a burial ground. He used his mother's house as a burial ground too. That's some serial killer shit. So and you know the state police can never get a case against Whitey Bulger. It's because he's an FBI informant. He's protected. But the way the corruption is with the FBI, the DA, the state police, the Boston PD eventually bring down the Lunar Hill Gang. But and it's revealed that Whitey's a, a rat. He mm-hmm. goes on hiding from 1995 to 2011, I think. It's, yeah, 11. Long time. Long time. He was arrested in uh, Santa Monica, California. Huh. Um, the FBI used photos of Baldur's longtime girlfriend... To catch him. Because they didn't know what he would look like at this right. time. But they knew what she would... Okay. And he is now serving two life terms <laughs> in prison. He was uh, sentenced November 14th or 19th. I can't read my own handwriting. 2013. He's still alive, right? He's still alive. He's yeah. in prison. Where is he in prison? Do you know? It didn't say. I think okay. he's uh, probably in Massachusetts somewhere. Yeah, Probably. Since Alcatraz has closed since then. Yeah. That's wild, man. That's a lifetime career. Yep. A fucking murder and mayhem. All right, Taylor, what is your number two? My number two is a man we've teased earlier. The godfather of gangsters. John Dillinger. Oh, yeah. Another Johnny Depp movie character. (laughs) Who's also Johnny Depp in Public Enemy. (laughs) Which is is a good movie, but... They distort a lot of it, and the timeline and a lot of things is wrong. Yeah. But John Dillinger is responsible for J. Edgar Hoover eventually creating the FBI the way it is now. Because all of a sudden, they had to catch a criminal across state lines, which at the time, even up until the 80s, was a big deal. Because the uh, FBI was like, it was newly founded by, by the time this like crime wave happened, It right? was around, but it was never used to what, deal with yeah. this. Okay. Um. The biggest thing is across state lines because even up until the 80s, cops from one county wouldn't talk to cops from another county. That's how a lot of serial killers got away with what they did because a co- uh, two different counties of cops wouldn't share the details of their murders so one guy could just pop from one side to the other, murdering people, leaving different clues, and they'd never connect them because they would never talk to each other. And I mean, it, I drive across a county line almost every day. Yeah, It's not that far away. But imagine if you murdered someone on one side of the Tonawana Bridge and murdered someone on the other side of the Tonawana Bridge, and then they never talk to each other. That's for the Buffalo yeah. people. Okay, John Dillinger. He's a was born in 1903. He's a Depression-era gangster. So at this point, no one's got cash. No one's got shit. There's bootlegging, there's all sorts of stuff, but John Dillinger's thing is bank robbing. Yes! He gets his hands dirty. He treats bullets like they're free. 
John Dillinger once wrote a letter to Henry Ford thanking him for putting a V8 engine in Ford automobiles. Are you serious? I didn't so, know that. Because he could outrun the cops. <laughs> so they're driving a fucking Packard, and he's just... Down the could you dirt imagine your you're, uh, Henry Ford? You're going through your mail, and you're like, oh, what is this? this uh, John Dillinger. Dillinger. Oh, shit. <laughs> you open... Like, you call the Should cops I, at this point? Like, he sent do? me a letter. What are they going to do? Fingerprint it? Hasn't been invented yet. No, it hasn't yet. been invented yet. Hasn't no. been Check for DNA? None of that. Check for fiber analysis? None of it. If you're not at the scene of the crime when the cops get there, you're pretty much good. Yeah. Thanks, Henry Ford. Thank you, Henry Ford. So, altogether, John Dillinger ran the Dillinger gang, and they robbed, including Babyface Nelson and Pretty Boy Floyd, Pretty Boy Floyd pretty much there the whole time. Babyface Nelson later on after they break him out of jail. He robbed 24 banks. And four police stations. He walked into the police station and said, give me all your money. (laughs) (laughs) You know, where the cops live. (laughs) What the fuck does that? I'm joking. So, so... So, during the Depression, John Dillinger would go into the bank, say, open up the safe, give me all the money, and everyone's freaking out. They get their hands in the air, all the customers, and he goes, don't worry, folks, because it was, you would rob everyone. Everyone's got money. Take it all. Get more. And he goes, don't worry, folks. I'm here to rob the bank's money, not yours. And that made him kind of famous amongst normal folks. As the OG, the original gangster, literally in the most literal sense I can possibly manage, he became a folk hero because when he'd go into the bank, he'd open the vault and he'd burn all the mortgages. This is before the internet or computers. That's the only copy. You now own your house. Congratulations. So if he went into a house, uh, into a bank, he'd steal all their cash, burn all the mortgages. Everyone would make thousands of dollars, essentially, yeah. and, and lose their debt. Oh shit! He could save a town. He's like a like a Robin Hood. Well, not he is a Robin, he is a Robin Hood character. Hood, yeah. Also, apparently a nice guy. Huh? Yeah, all accounts, pretty nice guy. Uh, <laughs> he he's known as a he took a hostage on accident one time. Like she was in a car and he stole the car and he was like, oh, I guess you're coming with me. And they drove out and he's like, hey, hate to leave you here. Here's my coat. Have a great day. And off he went <laughs> with his pencil thin mustache, Clark Gable looking. Oh my god. At one point, he he gets arrested twice, and he goes to jail twice. And he breaks out of jail twice. Do you know how he broke out of jail the one time? He broke out with a fake gun. Yeah, that's my favorite story. By taking a block of wood, putting it against the back of the cop's neck and going, don't move or I'll shoot. And the legend of John Dillinger was so great, he was like, oh, he must have snuggled, smuggled a gun into jail. And he's kind of like, walked this cop out, got in a police car, and drove away. Yeah. Met up with Babyface Nelson. Didn't live too much longer than and that. And he still has um, Pretty Boy Floyd with him? Still got Pretty Boy Floyd uh, at, at his height. The best gangsters he's got are Pretty Boy Floyd and, and Babyface Nelson. And John Dillinger is declared by J. Edgar Hoover as public enemy number one. He only has one homicide to his name. In Indiana, a cop shot him in the chest, hit him in the bulletproof vest, and he shot back and killed him. That's his only homicide. Really? Huh. Surprising, considering 
from the same gang. Maybe Face Nelson killed three FBI so agents. So he's never killed a cop cops. or anything, as far as we know, right? He shot one cop, and that's Oh, it. that one cop, but he never shot, like... Nope, never. More never, cops, yeah. Never shot a innocent bystander, well, never shot another gang. By the way, the uh, you know the FBI agent that was sent to capture Dillinger? Hmm. Melvin Purvis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate that name. Yeah. Melvin Purvis. He's he's kind of like the anti. He's like the gangster squad kind of guy. Yeah, he is the gangster squad. Period. I had to look it up on IMDb because uh, he's a real life character. Yeah. yeah. Oh, who is he played by in the Christian public? Bale? Christian Bale. That's right. I remember now. So eventually, he's hiding out with his girlfriend. He's kind of he's been on the run for a long time. He's hiding out with a girlfriend in Chicago, and it's hot as balls. And he's like, I gotta get out of this house. Going to the movies. Movies were air-conditioned at the time. So he goes to the movies and he sees Manhattan Melodrama with Clark Gable. <laughs> it's a fun fact. Yeah. He goes to the Biograph in Chicago. It's still there. You can still go to the Biograph. And as soon as he leaves, the cops see him. He pulls a gun and he gets shot in the head. And he dies. Shot to death outside the Biograph Theater in Chicago, Illinois. I guess that would be the only way to actually, you know, stop his spree, right? If he got away, what's the best that happens? He lies low for a few years? Yeah. Because well, he, he wasn't, like, robbing banks during, like, when he was, like, hiding out no, with his no, girlfriend. No, he, right? he was pretty mellow at that point. Uh, so it, he's murdered uh, by the cops. Pretty Boy Floyd becomes public enemy number one. In the movie, Pretty Boy Floyd dies right at the very beginning. He actually died after John Dillinger. I know, that bothers me. I hate that when they do that to movies, that. too. Yeah, Pretty Boy Floyd, he's, why they don't call him Wiz Kid Floyd, but that he died afterwards. Yeah. Uh, he, Pretty Boy Floyd becomes uh, public enemy number one. He's killed. Uh, Babyface Nelson becomes public enemy number one. He's, he's killed. killed. Oddly enough, his wife is public enemy number one after that. Babyface Nelson's wife? Yeah, yeah. his wife. Uh, and then after that, they. that was the end of the Dillinger gang. Yeah. Yeah, he's a... He's a pretty good... I think he's the reason gangsters are popular yeah. like they are. Because if it was just a mad dog like Babyface Nelson... Or Bugsy Siegel. Or Bugsy Siegel. Or, or these you know people who are... Dwight Bulger even. Who are clearly monsters. Mm-hmm. This wouldn't be a trope. This wouldn't be something people would make movies about. Yeah. But because John Dillinger was a hero to the people because he was an enemy of banks who had ruined people's lives just years before he he becomes an anti-hero yeah but also i'm I mean, trying to think like i i like idolize i would say idolize in some way yeah. yeah absolutely um and it also makes the cops the bad guys dude some of the mistakes the cops do though they're like really yeah you come on come on come on he robbed you at your own police station <laughs> that's on you that's on the cops that's on the desk cop. Yeah. The desk sergeant should have had something to do with that. Like, maybe you should have a shotgun under there. Yeah, maybe. 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 Maybe a Browning automatic. Maybe the... Contemporary. Maybe the guy who never killed anyone until he got shot in the chest. I don't know. All right. That's my number two. We're going to take our last break. Our last break, yeah. come back, we're going to give you your number one. Bum, right bum. between the eyes. Mo Green Special. Mo Green Special.
Welcome back to Top 5. Kind of the final moment. Everyone's been waiting for... You get to hear what our number one gangsters are. Steve, it's been a long journey to get here. It has. It's been a lot of research time. Yes. I gotta know. Who's your number one gangster? My number one gangster is the godfather of the American Mafia, Charles Lucky Luciano. Lucky has been mentioned a few times. This guy's a big name. He is a big name. Um, born November 24th, 1897 in Sicily. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1906, his family moved to the U.S. As a teen, he started his own gang, then eventually joined the old Five Points gang. Oh, shit. Yeah, we already know he met Myra Lansky and Bugsy Siegel during this time. Yep, yep. Um, he also meets Vito Genovese and Frank Costello. From Abbott and Costello? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Like, what? That was Bud Costello. And um, during Prohibition, he starts working for Joe the Boss Masseria, which I already covered. He was a big war. He was a big war, yeah. And I'll, we'll get to that war. Okay. I wait okay. to talk about the war okay. with him. Teaser. Um, Lu- Luciano was caught selling heroin in 1923. He saw no jail time for this. Of course not. He also worked um, with Arnold Rothstein. Rothstein taught him how to be like a high-class society member instead of looking like a gangster. He taught him how to wear flashy suits and mm-hmm. act, the way to act. Wingtips, shoes. So we're going to this war now. The Costa-Marzi War. Like I said, it's between Salvatore Maranzano and Joe the Boss Masseria. Maranzano refused to pay like a commission to Masseria. Mm-hmm. So they were called, Maranzano and Masseria were called Mustache Pete's. Uh, what? Mustache Pete's. I knew a Mustache Pete. Real creepy guy. Really? I don't know. Okay. Meaning older, traditional mafia boss who started their criminal career in Italy. Okay, so they're like, okay, okay. So they're like old dons with curly mustaches. Yeah. Um, during the war, many famous mobsters came out of it. You got, like I said, Luciano, Joe Bonanno, Carlo Gambino, Joe Perfacci, Tommy Lucchese, um, Albert Anastasia, who found Murder, Inc. with uh, Bugsy Siegel and all mm. them. So, Luciano makes a power play in 1931 to kill Masseria, his own boss. Oh, shit. Yeah. Because this war is hurting everyone. They're not making money. No. Well, um, you're losing, you're you're losing money. You're spending money yeah. on bullets and you're losing men. Um, Luciano lures uh, Masseria to his favorite restaurant in Coney Island. Mm-hmm. He excuses himself, goes to the bathroom, and then a few hitmen come in and kill Masseria oh, right shit. there. And Luciano makes a deal with Maranzano. And Maranzano names himself Capo di, di Tutti Capi, meaning boss of bosses. Okay, and fancy. That did not sit well with Luciano. There oh. shouldn't be one boss that runs everything. No, there should be, uh, what is it, the Council of... The, the Commission. The Commission. But we'll get to that, too. Okay. Um, so he sent some a Jewish assassins to kill Maranzano before Maranzano killed him. He was, Maranzano was planning to kill Luciano. So these guys dressed up as, like, 
I guess what the IRS would be back then, mm-hmm. like treasury agents, mm-hmm. to go through his paperwork and taxes and all that in oh, his God. office. Oh, but shit. But instead of doing that, they shoot him in his office. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and leave. Shoot him. They, they shoot him and leave. And <laughs> Marizano's dead. So after that, Luciano sets up the commission. We've talked about the commission before. Right. Nothing gets approved without the commission's okay. There's no one boss of bosses. Um, this is Luciano's greatest achievement. This is the United Nations of gangsters. Pretty much, yes. This oh. is, um, and everything's fine for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, Luciano gets arrested in 1936 for prostitution, mm-hmm. and Thomas Dewey is the attorney general or whatever he's at this time for New York. So he has he had this mission to clean up New York City to clean up crime. Sure. And Luciano was step one. Yeah. Good luck. Big step one. I was a big step one, but he got him convicted and sent him to Sing Sing. Sing Sing. Where he continued. River. Where he continued to run his criminal empire. Um, he left Vito Genovese in charge. So it went. Luciano was the boss. Mm-hmm. Genovese was the underboss, and Frank Costello was the uh, consigliere. Okay. Like I said, um, Myra Lansky also helped advise uh, Luciano because sure. they're super close. They grew up together. Um, Genovese screws up. He flees to Sicily or Italy. Mm-hmm. So Frank Costello takes over. Okay. I'm not going to get into all that. So don't worry, guys. Was that before or after his hit album, My Aim is True? Uh, after? Oh, that was Elvis Costello. Excuse me. <laughs> um, the U.S. government eventually gets in touch with Luciano because mm-hmm. um, they had a fear of Nazi U-boats, so we're going to flash forward to World War II-type area. What? Whoa! Why is he Sing Sing? Okay, hit me. Um, they got in touch through um, Meyer Lansky to get word to Luciano, hey, we need your help to protect the ports. And Luciano, in return, asks, he wants to be let out of prison. Sure. And they do their job. They protect the ports from, like, Nazis and... I, I always heard this story. Is it's it true? true? It's true. Oh, my God. They don't... I don't know if they teach you that, teach us that. They in, don't teach you that. I learned US that. Has, I don't think I even learned that in college. I don't know if they don't, I don't, I don't know if they don't, do they frown upon it? I don't know. I think it's so hard to get kids to learn anything. Yeah. Getting them to learn non-essentials isn't going to happen. Exactly. Um, by the time the war's over, the government fulfills their promise. But his old pal Thomas Dewey is governor of New York. Oh, shit. And he's like, I'll let you out of prison, but guess what? You're going back to Italy. Oh, he he, uh, he, he deports him to Italy, Shit. and um, eventually in 1946, though he secretly moves to Havana, Cuba. Um, 46. That's a bad time to move. Yeah, it all ties in though. Like, look, oh, look at this. That's where casinos are. Uh, here they have the uh, Havana conference. This is where they talk about the flamingo and other criminal. Sure. Um, Ventures they have. Um, also, at this meeting, by now, Vito Genovese is back in the U.S. He tells um, Vito he's ruining the Luciano crime family. is no longer running it, so Costello's running it, like I said. Uh, the U.S. government here is Luciano's in Cuba. And uh, the U.S. government pressures the Cuban government to ship him back to Italy. And... I actually, that doesn't really say. 
I'm sorry. But that would have been before they all got kicked out of Cuba. Yeah, it would have been all before. Um, on July, oh, oh, sorry, January 26, 1962, Luciano dies of a heart attack at the Naples International Airport. He went to meet with an American film producer about a film of his life. Wow. There's a theory, mm-hmm. conspiracy theory, mm-hmm. that Vito Genovese poisoned him Ooh. because how Luciano treated him and everything. Um, he's buried in St. John's in Middle vil- Village, Queens, New York. So he eventually did come back to the U.S., but mm-hmm. he was already dead. Yeah. Uh, 2,000 mourners attended his funeral. Uh, Carlo Gambino, who becomes a head of a crime family, gave the eulogy. That's it. Yep. He's dead. And that's it. That's that's a that's a long life. For that's a long months. life, and he is like I said, he is the godfather of the American mafia. The way he forms it all up. Absolutely, the way he he says no to basically gang violence. Yeah, and look, if we work together, we're all going to make money, and that's the goal. Not to kill each other. Yeah. That's a side effect. It was all about making money, and you know what? They made money. They made a city. They made Las Vegas. They made Las Vegas. They made a city of money. They made so much money. They had to build a city. Yep. So Taylor, what is your number one gangster? Steve, I can't tell you because we're gonna play another oh, game shit. of guess that gangster. All right, all right. <sighs> I'm ready. All right, Steve. If you guess that gangster, whoop, whoop, don't it? don't shout it out. Don't shout it out and ruin it for people playing at home. Okay. You could just write it down and point it in my direction, and I'll let the audience know when Steve guesses that gangster. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Are you ready? All right. Our gangster was born in 1946 in New York City. He was bo- uh, He grew up in Queens, New York, to a rich family who sent him off to military school as a young man. While in military school, uh, he was formally disciplined for overly hazing his young uh, uh, cadets. So he was kind of a, I, I hate to put this in Boy Scout terms, but a patrol leader. Like yeah. he was in charge of a squad. Yeah. And uh, in, I want to point out, the 60s, or no, not even the 50s, he hazed them so much, military school had to go, hey, cut it out. I want to point out, hazing in the 50s definitely involved broomsticks and buttholes. I don't, I don't know who the fuck this is. Oh, it's going to be tough. Okay. It's going to be tough. I think, I think the audience at home is going to have trouble as well. Eventually, he took over his father's real estate business, which was mostly located in the outer boroughs of New York, Queens, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what they would do is they'd you know buy a cheap building, rehab it, and then make money so off they the rent. It. They flip out. They flip a, a cheap building. Okay. So eventually this becomes not enough for this young draft dodger. Um, and he starts uh, wanting to get into Manhattan, you know, yeah. right in the center. But Manhattan is all mob controlled by other mafias that he doesn't really have an in with as much as he'd like. So what he does, Steve is guessing. Steve has guessed correctly. <laughs> I want to point it out. Everyone at home still guessing. Steve has guessed correctly. So what it does is he buys uh, through loans, 
not even his own money. He buys through uh, large bank loans and also bankrolled by the Hyatt Hotel chain. He buys the Commodore Hotel, which is just a shitty old hotel. I like the name, though. Isn't it nice? The Commodore. Were you guys staying in New York? The Commodore? Oh, the Commodore? I've had drinks there. Um, man, that does sound good. That does good. sound good, yeah. Eventually, now it's, just, I think, just the Hyatt New York. Oh, that's a shame. That is a shame. Uh, buys the Commodore, and what they do is they eventually demolish a lot of it. And to save money, first, he says to New York State that he's going to need a tax break on this to refurb it. So they give him $359.3 million in tax breaks. They have not. They have four more years before they will. New York will start making money on this deal. Okay. Four, four more years. years. That's. This is the seventies. I want to point out. Yeah. Um, so to refurb it, he hires Polish immigrants, non-labor demolition crew. In Manhattan, this is unheard of, but he gets local. You'd have a labor strike immediately. Teamsters would be everywhere. Yeah. But he gets the mob to allow this for him so that he can use non-union workers and save some money. So I don't know how he'd pay it off that. Got it in. But he's used some tie so that he wouldn't have to use union labor. And he saves a bunch of money. He even saves money on not giving them jackhammers and making them work 18 hours a day with sledgehammers to break down walls. It's very interesting. It's very interesting the way he uses labor. Um, for this, those uh, Polish immigrants were paid um, nothing. They never got paid. They never got paid? Oh, no. They they never got paid. Actually, what, what happened was they tried to sue for pay, and then he just kept them in, in legal limbo for so long that eventually the attorney would cost more than what they lost, so they just gave up. Um, so free labor, mm-hmm. free labor, uh, but eventually became the Hyatt New York, and this is his big venture into uh, Manhattan. He makes a lot of money, actually built a, a, a whole building there until he wants to break into the Atlantic City gambling casinos. Now, here's some mob money. I don't know. There used to be a guy named, oh, what was his name? What was his name? Oh, yeah, Al Capone, who used to run these kinds of shindigs. Yeah. So, so he has to break in, and what he uses is an old mob lawyer named Roy Cohen to work his way in. He used to, uh, he used to be, um, he used to work for, um, uh, oh, Jesus, uh, 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 McCarthy. Remember the guy from the Red Scare? Yeah. He he was McCarthy's one of McCarthy's lawyers. He was one oh, of his mad dogs. So he uses and then he became privatized and worked with the mob. Yeah. Um, I think he still practices law. I'm not positive. You're not dead uh, yet? No, I'm pretty sure he still practices law. Um uh so so our gangster's making money hand over fist. Mm-hmm. And he gets his older brother Fred a job, but he doesn't like Fred very much. Fred is an alcoholic and he thinks that's weak so he gets him a job as a maintenance man you know yeah his older brother from a wealthy so he's making these deals and he's shaking things up and he makes his brother be a maintenance man um and so his brother eventually drinks himself to death and dies that fucking sucks sure does weird anyway uh (laughs) this is why our gangster never drinks because he drove his brother to drink himself to death what a son of a bitch. I know. He's kind of a fuckhead. So eventually he, he breaks into uh, uh, Atlantic Casinos, and what he does is he hires very specific 
uh, companies who are known by the FBI to be mob-controlled. Uh, he works with uh, uh, people like uh, Biff Halloran, who actually used to work for Hoffa. Um, he owns a, a company, construction, yeah. and things like that. And so what he does is he uses all these uh, mob-controlled companies by doling out so money wait, so is companies. It, so wait, is he, he doles a out money. Uh, he's, he's not a teamster, but he worked with well, Hawkeye. Okay, okay. It's definitely a union. I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm also in a union, but we're the one that doesn't get to do crime. That's a shame. It's bullshit. There's what? like two that don't do crime. Yeah. It's like the NALC and then the teachers union. I'm like, why can't we do crime? Well, to be fair, some of the teachers do do crime. Oh, I'm positive. Sexy crimes. Sexy crimes. Um. And uh, he also works, uh, he hires uh, Danny Sullivan as a labor consultant, mm-hmm. so I'm using air quotes there, who actually was part of the Genovese crime family. Oh, shit. Tying it, it all, all ties back. in. Tying it all back. Uh, at some point in here, he marries a Czech model, cheats on her, marries another model, cheats on her, marries another model. It doesn't matter. Can I ask the audience a question? I know they can't answer. Yes, Have you guys guessed yet? Yeah, I'm curious. They've got to know. They got to know who this is by they now. They got to know and either have turned it off or just been immediately sickened with me. Anyway, it doesn't right. matter. Let's continue. So at this point, uh, he gets into democratic politics. Uh, he actually <laughs> runs for president a few times and fails. As a Democrat? Uh, as a Republican oh, okay, okay. later, but he was a Democrat for 10 years and then he switched parties. It just seemed easier to convince things of uh, people of things. And then now I think he's in politics. He's still alive. Really? Yeah, still alive. Um, it's it's weird. He actually still swindles. Um, he, the way he makes his money is he, he, when he builds something or he wants something or he needs something done, he hires small contractors, like very small, like private, mm-hmm. small uh, businesses. So say he needed a, a, a thousand pianos for a hotel. I know. It, yeah, yeah. Hypothetical. Yeah. And he hires a small piano company that normally wouldn't, sell a thousand at a time and they invest money and they go out of their way and they really work hard because this is going to be the biggest deal of their lives and they get them a thousand pianos and then he doesn't pay them so um and when they say give us the money instead he traps some legal limbo mm-hmm. it's kind of like a legalized racketeering so that they can't pay the lawyers for years and years to get the money because they already almost bankrupted themselves buying all these pianos or doing all this woodwork or, you know, doing a whole hotel's worth of drywall, stuff like that. Yeah. So he'll say, I'll pay you half if you do another job for me. And they got to take the half. I mean, he's strong arming these, this this gangster strong arming these, these small businessmen until eventually they have to work for him for half their price they normally get paid, and he makes money. Scumbag. Yeah, real piece of shit. Um, so, and, and this is the way it works. There's, you know, hundreds of lawsuits, but the way the, the legal system in America works is the more money you have to put on lawyers, and, and he's got these lawyers on retainers, so he really doesn't spend any more money than he already mm-hmm. spends on them. Regardless of how many lawsuits. It's all about, yeah, like you said, you have those high-priced lawyers and money can... It, it, Lansky was, no, he was a he was an accountant. He was, he was, but yeah. the mob always had lawyers yeah. to get them in and out of crime. So what our gangster does is he uses lawyers just to keep himself safe from private individuals who try to make money yes. or live their lives. 
Steve, I think we've come to our time to guess. Uh, Steve's already guessed it correctly. Steve, who do you think our gangster is? Is it Donald Trump? It is the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump. That was a good one. My number one gangster. That is... By definition, by the very definition of what a gangster is, that dude is a gangster. Yes. I wouldn't say he's much of an OG, because he really is following the footsteps of his father. And I didn't get into the time that his institutions were so racist Mm -hmm. that a court made him print in the paper, we're sorry, we'll stop being so racist. Um, And that he actually had to provide... uh, stats of who lives in his apartments and what ethnicity they are to make sure that he's not only renting to white people he had to provide that information to the urban league but then never did instead he just sued them i i just knew he was a a bad guy just from what i hear but i don't i didn't know like what you just it's fun what you just it's fun and described i'm gonna say that is the tip of the shitberg that is the tip just the tip oh god well, everyone, that's been top five for this week. Steve, actually, you know what? We've, we've got time. Do you have honorable mentions? Um, Yeah, I can name a few. Yeah, hit me with some honorable um, mentions. You got John Gotti, of course. John Gotti. Because um, you and I left pretty much like a lot of the mainstream guys off the... If you want to listen to a podcast about mainstream gangsters, I'm sure there's plenty. There probably is, yeah. You could... Like, there's Al Capone. Yeah, no one touched that. Um... You got the Westies. Those that's an Irish gang. That's yeah. that's run by uh, Jimmy Coonan and Mickey Featherstone. Um, I looked into doing uh, Bill the Butcher Pool, but I just there wasn't. There's it's so old. There's not enough yeah. information. I looked um, into doing like the Westies, like Jimmy Coonan. Yeah. And the Wikipedia page didn't have enough. And I read. I have a Westies book at home. Yeah. I read this a couple years ago. Yeah. I'll be honest. I didn't feel like rereading it. Yeah. And trying to get that's. That's a lot, um, and, and a lot of those books are really drawn on. Yeah, I'll see who else could I name? Um, I thought about doing Mickey Cohen. Yeah, Mickey Cohen who eventually took over a lot of L.A. Yeah, he just once he was the boss, he didn't do a lot of interesting. There's things. Sam Giancana. He ran the Chicago outfit. Um, you you could have done Henry Hill. Yeah, yeah, you could have could have done JFK. Well, you could probably done his father. You could have done. Hey, Steve, remember that time I specifically turned my phone off? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That actually scared the shit out of me just now. I, I want to point out, that's my alarm. I have no idea what this alarm oh. is for. Uh, do you have any more honorable mentions? I really don't. I really don't. It's a fun subject to get it's into. It's a fun subject. I dug a rabbit hole. I made a huge list of people and then just cut my research down, cut them off. Um... Uh, there was a, a Bugs Malone was on there. Bonnie and Clyde, I thought about you doing. You could have done Bonnie and Clyde. But I was like, I already have Dillinger. I mean, they're just another bank robber. Um, so it's a fat, like I said, I would take a college course in a heartbeat if I could oh, on this. Absolutely. It's a fascinating subject. I learned a lot. I'm sure the audience learned a lot. You learned a lot. I learned a lot. I, I, hope, I hope this was a good episode. It was. It was. I was there for it. It was a good episode. I'm a little drained now. I know. I'm a little sleepy. Um, All right. Well, we're going to have a coffee and eat a burrito and Mm. then fall asleep. Uh, Don't forget to rate and subscribe if you're on Apple Podcasts. 
subscribe to us on Stitcher. If you're still listening on SoundCloud, God bless you. Make sure you check out uh, Pop 5, hosted by me and Taylor. That's right. Make sure you check out Pop 5, your every other week uh, uh, streaming thing. If you just get confused why your favorite podcast has a different name every other week or a different show sometimes. Um, look forward to possibly new shows on this feed. We might even start an Instagram soon. It might be Instaham. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at top five underscore podcast that's top the number five underscore podcast and don't stop believing in yourself fuckers
Buffalo. I love you. I love you, Buffalo.